0: plushcare.com slash weight loss. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not contain or replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Hello, Australia. Welcome to My Millennial Property. That's John Pigeon. This is Glenn James. Welcome. Thanks, John. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks to Wellman Finance for bringing... This podcast to you every week. Thanks, Welly and the team at Wellman Finance. Splendid job. One of the biggest things, like if I'm speaking from a consumer who has a mortgage and other people in the Facebook group, when they think about mortgage brokers and mortgages, one of the biggest myths out there is that I might need to pay more if I use a broker. Yes. And what do I mean by that? Well, I mean, if I went straight to a bank or a lender And they said, Glenn, your mortgage rate, if you took it with us, is 2.92%. If you went to a mortgage broker and they recommended that exact same product that you went direct with, it would be the exact same interest rate. Mm. So, that means why wouldn't you use a mortgage broker that can look at a variety of different lenders based on your situation Yes, as opposed to going direct yourself and doing all the legwork.
1: Yeah. And, and probably furthermore to that is, is they, a lot of brokers, or good ones at least, get some gold star ratings with, with lenders, which means they get quicker turnaround times as well more than the just the average Joe inquiry. Yeah,
0: I know with all that uh, COVID crap that was going on and blah, 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 and probably still is uh, in the main, some of the lenders' like turnaround was eight weeks. Yeah, crazy. Where some mortgage brokers still might have a 24-hour to 48-hour turnaround. Yeah, so correct.
1: And they're doing the legwork, aren't they?
0: Totally. So, thank you to Wellman Finance for supporting my millennial property. You can go to wellmanfinance.com.au forward slash M3. Now, John, duplexes mm. um, as a strategy duplexes as a first home buyer. There's a question here from Sam. I think it was in the Facebook group. I wanted to ask if you would be interested in talking about duplexes as an investment strategy for first home buyers or investors. Specifically, is building a duplex from scratch a safe bet? Should I borrow large sums of money and run the risk? This question and or anything else duplex related would be amazing and useful for a podcast episode. So, Sam, this is for you, buddy. Your wish is our command. Sam, if it's Samantha. So, let's start with duplexes as a concept. Yeah. Is a duplex generally only one level? Because I was under the impression, see, there's three two-story townhouses here. Yes. I was under the impression that these three weren't duplexes, they were townhouses. Yeah. Because I thought duplexes were one level. Well, simply put, duplex is two,
1: triplex is three.
0: Oh, in terms of the Number. actual the amount. So, yes. it's, if there was two townhouses of two stories, yes. it would be a duplex. Correct. Right. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah, but due to the covenants of most councils and um, land structures, you most of them are only single story. Yes. um Duplexes. Yeah. So. So, commonly, what is a duplex? Well, you've got a parcel of land. Council has enabled you to build two dwellings on that, right? But they're actually on their own title. So, what happens is they're easy, usually subdivided before construction or most commonly at the end of construction. They've got their own title and they can be sold off separately.
0: So, it's not a strata title.
1: It's not a strata title. So, it's it's basically, well, in New South Wales, some... It's a Torrens title, yeah. Yep. So that equivalent right around the country is what it is. Whereas these townhouses here Under are, are in a strata, yeah, yeah, right. So there's the difference, and the and the value of Torrens title versus strata title can be hundreds of thousands of dollars different.
0: Mm. And it's interesting to note that some local government regions, like the area that John and I live, there's actually a thing for our area because it's. I guess, between a big lake and the ocean, yeah. there's limited real estate. Yes. So, they're actually allowing um, duplexes and townhouses on blocks where other areas of this region are not allowed because yeah. they want to attract more people to the area because mm-hmm. more people want to live here and yeah. and stuff like that. More rates. More rates, yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. So, what's a duplex strategy? So, if I said, John, I wanted my next thing is a duplex strategy. Yes. How would I go about it? Yeah,
1: so interesting Sam put in the in the question there, um, should I l- borrow large sums of money and run the risk right the The word risk is an interesting part of that question, isn't it? Because it is a risk, but it's a calculated risk. when When I talk to people about doing a duplex as a strategy, it's essentially a glorified house and land. You've got a piece of land and you're building a house on it, you're just doing it twice in the in the case of a duplex. So you buy a parcel of land, you might even knock the old house down if it's there, and then you would get approval to build two dwellings on it, right, one at the front, one at the back, or some cases side by side, depending on the, the width of the block, and, and you would build those two at the same time. Um, so the risk, as Sam puts it, is you're borrowing more money because you're building two dwellings as opposed to one dwelling, right? But it may be a similar size uh, block of land. It's just that that local council allows you to put two on it.
0: Do the lenders see the borrowing for a duplex any different? Like, did they see it as, so for example, we've got the block of land. We paid 200000 for the block of land.
1: Mm.
0: We're going to spend, I don't know, 300000 building two... Duplexes or one duplex, however you say it. Yeah. So, there's basically going to the wash up is we're going to throw 500 grand at this thing. Yeah. Do they see it differently as a $300,000 duplex on a uh, 200k block of land as opposed to a 300k house? Surely the risk yeah. is less for the lender.
1: Well, yes and no. It depends on their appetite for that type of construction as well. Um, like any anything, if it's an off-the-plan apartment, they might have an appetite for it versus not. So it depends on the lending conditions at the time of that specific lender. And again, coming back to having a good mortgage broker, that's one example. But um, generally speaking, there is more of a risk to them because they're shelling out more money or lending more money to the, the owner to build those two dwellings, so when we're looking at duplex opportunities around the country right now, you don't see many good opportunities that that are under six hundred
0: fifty seven hundred thousand as a total uh, build. It's funny that because I would have thought the risk to the lender would have been less if it was as two separate titles, because you know obviously they've. They've got to use the registered builder. I'm, I'm not really talking about the build phase. Yeah. Because the risk should be the same with the builder of a home worth 300000 versus a duplex worth $300,000. Yeah. Uh, but I'm talking once at that turnkey lock up. Yeah. At least if there's the lender over the one title to start with, if the crap hits the fan, they can piss one of the titles off and at least get half the money.
1: Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. Well- I suppose the other thing to, to take into account playing devil's advocate is there's got to be two houses to be rented, mm. right, If in, in the case of investment, and then the dwellings around it. So, what's the supply coming on in that area as well is an important one, whereas if you were to do a duplex in a built-up suburbia like here, mm. um, reasonably low risk you would presume, but banks will... I would say, and and when I talk to clients about doing a duplex strategy, make sure you have 20% deposit for for ease of lending because it is a bit more of a- It just
0: opens the door a bit more.
1: Yeah, it just gives you a a more green light um, position when it comes to to talking to the lenders. So in the example of a 700K spend, you'd want to have 140 plus costs up your sleeve, Mm. which getting back to Sam's question is, well- is it a good strategy for first home buyers or first time investors? Generally speaking, we would say no, mm. uh, for two reasons. One is it's a bit more of a complex strategy, and there's a few more variables. Uh, but number two, who's got 200k lying around to to go and put into their first investment? Maybe not many.
0: Mm. Well, unless yeah, I, again, it's, everyone's situation is different. If yeah. you wanted to buy property if you had an inheritance and you're like, well, I like renting in the CBD and I want to buy a, a regional suburb and yeah. I've got a bit of time to research and my risk level is mm. so, but ordinarily no, but yeah. for the right situation and the right risk appetite. That's right. Sure. Yeah.
1: The, the upside is greater as well. There's no doubt about that. While there's a, an element of higher risk there comes with the greater reward of uh increasing the value of the land by building two dwellings on it, having the flexibility to to, um, title them separately at the end and then sell one, keep one or sell both or just simply rent both out. Traditionally, they get pretty good yield because you've split the land in two um, and then the cost of build usually means that the holding costs would be pretty minimal.
0: In the States, and I haven't seen it here that much, in terms of duplex or condos or whatever, there's like... And it's it's probably more of a, a cultural thing. Like a friend of mine, Eric, who's been on the show before, he he got one in the ghetto and he called it the ghetto plex. Right. Because <laughs> it's always broken into. But yeah, he went in and renovated it and all that. But there is like ghetto plexes that are like six one-bedders and stuff like that. Right. So, like high yeah. density edge of the city. Like you don't see that much stuff here, do
1: you? No. No. You Well... In Australia, the Australian version of that is maybe a dual living situation Sure. where you've got basically a five-, six-, seven-bedroom house with maybe two garages, one either side, mm. two separate entrances where you could have two families living there or you could have one big family living there. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it's it's definitely not as common and, and we're probably not as densely populated. We're not as densely no. populated as, as some of those. So towns. if you're
0: looking at a a duplex strategy, maybe not straight away, but down the track, it would mean that, hey, I want to buy a freehold shack maybe. Mm. Like, do you think as a rule of thumb, anywhere in Australia, you'd be looking at a shack on at least a 750 square meter block or 800? Is there, yeah. in your mind, is there a magical square meterage that just ticks a box regardless or is there a minimum yeah. that you won't go near?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Good question, and that's changed in the last ten years. Like I personally love the duplex strategy. I think it's got great upside. It's got flexibility at the end. Um, When I first the the first one I did, there it was a seven fifty square meter block, um, and the last one I did was a six seventy square meter block. So that changed. Same council region, Um, so. Yeah, you need to know your local council area to, to see what their covenants are. But generally speaking, it's it's about the um, design. It's about um, keeping in trend with the street and, and just playing the rules of what the council requires it to, to, to happen with the shadow diagrams and those sort of things. So, there's a lot to it where you need someone in your corner to help you through yeah. that
0: phase. And it's interesting because even the block that where I live, like there's three townhouses... On This size block, you can't build three anymore. No, it's reduced down to two, has it? Yeah, yeah okay, yeah, mm,
1: that's interesting. Mm. Yeah, because usually it goes the other way, yeah. And definitely in most capital cities, the dwelling size requirements getting mm.
0: because if less- there's only two on this block, they'd be pretty livable, like it'd be pretty yeah, big. Good back, but I think what it was was the green areas, so yeah, there has to be a percentage. So, down our driveway when we moved in, there was this horrendous, It was 300 mils off the wall with a garden and you just hit it with your car every time you backed out. Like, it was ridiculous. But it had to be there for the council requirements. We had to take it out because it actually wasn't practical to have that because everyone was scraping their car and hitting it. For sure. And I think- they've gone, I'll hang on, three on that size, it might be cutting it in terms of the width maybe.
1: Yeah. So green space or open space and shadow slash privacy uh, are two of the major focuses for a lot of councils around the country. Right, Um, right. When building, it's just not, yeah, I'll fit two on there because it's 700 square. The design's got to be right. Um, one One thing I will say about the duplex strategy is because you're building two and usually they're getting titled at the end, There'll be a time period at the end where um, well, the build time frames may be longer, but also there'll be a time where it's sitting in council waiting to be titled empty, before you can actually sell them off. Right, right. Now, you may be able to tenant them, but you might not be able to sell them off or so you it, won't be able to sell them in off. In that
0: stage where it's uh, the title, can you get private certifiers to do that or is it generally sit in the inbox of the council title department or whatever it is
1: yeah usually council which is you can you can engage a private certified, which might speed the process up but essentially yeah it's uh it's sitting in the council mm, inbox mm. so um but yeah plenty of upside um understand it's a great question from sam because we see it advertised a lot and and there are companies out there that design these packages where you essentially don't need to lift a finger and um, it's all done for you and and they get Paid by the, the developer or the builder for, for managing that process, um, which which is a straightforward process, but they're probably um, cutting into a little bit of your profits. You just need to know your numbers on that. So,
0: in finishing up, so your business, Solvair Wealth, when people engage you for their you know the twelve month or two year property coaching service, yeah, if someone is keen on duplexes. Is can you coach them through that as well? Like, do you have yeah, clients totally. that do that? Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yep. We we do a bit of it. Um, it, it's probably more seasoned investors, but it doesn't have to be. Mm. Uh, there's no one one uh, rule fits all. But do you touch on it on the property course? Your one? Uh, briefly, briefly. Yeah, yeah. we okay. talk about ways to ways to add value, and and that's obviously
0: one of them. Mm. Yeah, sweet. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, there you go. Thank you, John, for letting us have a bit of a chat about duplexes thank you all right thanks guys special thanks to wellman finance our podcast partner sean wellman and his team are available to coach you through your property journey even if it's your first time with expertise in investment and home loans they're in
1: your corner providing education and support as you take each step for more info check out
0: wellmanfinance.com.au forward slash m3 If you want to really turn up your property, education, and information journey, make sure you check out the Solvair Property and Finance Academy. This is an amazing online resource that John has put together. It's to empower and to give results to people who are either first-time buyers, whether for their home to live in or an investment property, or if you're a seasoned property investor, this online academy is for you. Check out the link in the show notes. It will change your life if you let it. If you're after personal financial advice, this podcast is not for you. But if you do want a financial advisor or mortgage broker to talk with about your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com, click get help, and we'll put you in touch with one of our trusted professionals.